Welcome, listeners, to a bonus episode. In season one of Beyond Ring, Walter Brueggemann described the artists as today's prophets. Why? Because art, in a way that other mediums can't, wakes us up. It, it gets at us. It affects us and turns us around and upside down. Poets and artists are those in today's world most capable of snapping us out of autopilot or challenging assumptions we don't even realise we hold to so tightly or helping us see the world in a way that only moments ago we couldn't. Ruggman also noted that in much of the Hebrew scriptures, the most common form of literature to capture deep truth was poetry, language that was metaphorical, slippery and multi-layered. So we thought we'd gather some of our local poets and prophets, three people who have helped us and helped you as listeners of the podcast to hear the prophetic, to give space to wonder and chew over new ideas as featured artists of season one and create a gathering around their work. This special episode is the recording from that showcase, a live event we held earlier this year on a cold and rainy night around an open fire and a microphone. It features two performance poets in Joel McCaro and Cameron Simmons as well as hip-hop artist Dylan Joel, who reflected on the role their art played in their lives and in our world. So let's do it. Artist number one, Joel McCaro. So, um, my name's Joel. Uh, I am a performance poet. I have a, a one-year-old, a little baby girl named Melody and a little three-year-old boy named Aiden, um, and they are both gingers and full of life and extremely exhausting. Um, let me start with a poem about one of my children. Uh, I wrote this uh, a little bit ago about a morning with my son. My son throws stones into the river this morning. Like I throw hopes into the air every other morning. I call them prayers. He calls them splats because the water goes splat. I sometimes wonder if my prayers do the same. But the river holds the stones and the air holds the hopes and the sacred holds the prayers and the sun beats down on us both, causing morning mist to smoke out of our noses. My son is overjoyed at the sight. He thinks that I am on fire. Daddy, fire, daddy, fire. He is cheering and I am burning and the mist is rising and a river is flowing and an aeroplane flies overhead. Look, I'm slightly concerned that he's so overjoyed at his daddy internally combusting, but I choose to ignore this. I know that I have been burning for a long time now and still have managed to not be snuffed out a burning bush. My son is Moses. I tell him that he shall set the people free. He agrees. Well, he contemplates for a moment and says, bird poo. I take this as agreement, a confirmation of his mission in the world, that he shall set the people free from the bird shit of their lives, for he shall be called bird shit man, and the people shall worship him for the way he cleans their skin, and the way he cleans their porches, and their verandas, and their statues, like the statue of the stately man at the state library that always has pigeon poo dripping down his cheeks. My son is throwing stones at the ducks now. He takes his mission very seriously. He shall not just clean up bird poo, he shall take on the source of the problem that ducks themselves. I decide I'd better stop him before he actually hits one. He does not understand. He tells me that he wants to set the people free. I tell him that there must be a less violent way to do so. He agrees. 
Well, he contemplates for a moment and says, Daddy, fart. It is true. I did fart. He is a smart child. He puts down his stones and he starts to make friends with the ducks instead. And I stand there, waft in the air, and I think to myself, if only it were so easy with the leaders of our country when they misunderstand their mission and start throwing stones at, insert any minority group or Arab country you'd like to here, I wish I could take them throwing stones in the river with my son. I wish I could teach them that it's not nice to throw stones at ducks, just like it's not nice to throw stones at people. I wish, I wish that I could fart and they would think this is funny and they would forget all about the throwing of stones and start to try to make friends instead. See, sometimes it is easier to teach children than presidents or prime ministers. Thank you. Um, I, I'm pretty much surrounded by, by children in my life these days, but, um, and so a lot of my analogies and thoughts and ideas come out of that. And that poem for me, um, obviously it's a political poem, but it's kind of uh, encased uh, within this wonderful story of throwing stones in the river uh, with my son, Aidan. Um, I feel like, if we're talking about the prophetic and stuff tonight, I feel like that my words, if I can use my words to speak to the reality of our world, to help people um, come to see reality as it is. Some, I forget who it is, but someone once said that creativity is like looking at the world through a kaleidoscope. You see the same things that everyone else sees, but you rearrange these bits and pieces into enticing new possibilities. That for me is the prophetic to see reality, the same reality that all of us see, but to see it slightly differently, to see it mosaic, kaleidoscope, to be able to take the floating bits and pieces of what we see in the world and to bring them together into something, something, an enticing new possibility. Um, and in our world, our very fractured world at the moment, I think we probably either have the options of getting extremely pissed off and cynical, and I do, <laughs> on many days, as Casey Chambers sings, if you're not pissed off with the world and you're just not paying attention. But I wonder if, if we and my call as a, as a poetic, prophetic voice, whatever, is actually not just to stay in that mode of, of cynicism, uh, but to actually, if our world is so fractured, to begin to rearrange those fractured bits and pieces into enticing new possibilities, to show people what may be, to call people into a new existence, a new reality. So that's why I use my voice to both do that outside and inside as well, to kind of name those things in me that, um, that I see are fractured and to choose to see them in a new enticing possibility type way as well. Um, sometimes it's harder to see those things in yourself than it is to see them in the world, isn't it? But um, in fact, maybe I'll do a poem uh, about my life at the moment. That was my way of naming a reality in my life and trying to see, see what it could be, not get caught up in what it is. Um, to the soundtrack of drops of water.
So I talk a lot more about vomit and poo than I ever used to. It's true. The joy of parenting. 3 a.m. spew flowing through fingers in a somewhat hopeless attempt to avoid changing a bed sheet for the fourth time that night. Bucket lying somewhere on the floor. Wife throwing up in the room next door. Pregnant mothers with morning sickness. They are superhuman. This was written when my uh, wife was pregnant with our second child, just in case anyone's thinking, are they having another kid? No, Heidi is not pregnant. Um, The next morning, our boy is playing and he holds up a bucket and pretends to vomit in it, just like mum does. He laughs his head off as he does so. This is who we have become, I think to myself, vomit and poo. They have become a consistency in my life, often more so than writing and poetry. And if it's not these bodily explosions, then it's hour after hour of reading that same bloody book over and over, The Hungry Little Caterpillar. He has eaten through planets worth of food by now and there can be no lying down for more than 10 seconds before being pulled off the couch to play games and to chase the boy around the house and it's one more load of washing and the lawn that needs mowing and dirty dishes in the sink and this playground followed by that one and it's a crying son and counting down the hours till mum gets home and this, this is life. This is all life. The mundane kicks you in the balls sometimes, leaves you exhausted. And I don't just see it in my life as a parent, but it's there for all of us. Behind the Instagram photo and the Facebook post, there lies reality, mundane reality, vomit and poo. We spend our lives running from it, escaping from it, but it's always going to be there, always going to be there. Your life is not that exciting. Sure, there are moments of exhilaration worthy of the movies, but most of the time it's working hard and cleaning dishes and answering emails and dealing with annoying people and problems with your bowels and a friend who is depressed and it's eating and pooing and buying groceries and getting sick and insect bites and self-doubt and crippling loneliness and suffocating families and watching countless hours of TV. There is no escape. Life can be so darn boring. But I do wonder if it has to be. I wonder if boredom comes only when we give ourselves to it. I wonder if boredom comes because we have lost our sense of wonder. Wonder at the small things. I wonder if learning how to wonder again is a way out of this. I wonder if I have used the word wonder too many times in this paragraph. But could I find the wonder still at 3am cleaning up vomit? I'm sure it must be there. Possibly in the knowing that I have a child. And this child looks like me. And he came out of the love of my wife and I. And I know so many people who cannot have children for one reason or another. And actually how blessed I am that I can clean up his vomit. And if need be, I could take him to the doctors. While so many children in the world do not have any access to medicine. This is life. Beneath all the mundane and all we are tempted to be bored with and escape from. I do wonder if there is more to it. Whether I am at home with my child full time. Or able to travel away on weekends. Or whether I have the ability just to be a free spirit and travel where the wind takes me. Everyone, everywhere, all of us, we are still faced with the mundane. Hours lying on the ground in airports or hours trying to put my son to sleep. Cold, sterile hotel rooms or a home dripping with love and sameness. The grass seems to be always greener, but it never is. So may you rather... Let the rope that ties you down be the anchor that holds you in the midst of storm and circumstance.
Perhaps the trick to this thing called life is to find the wonder right where you are. The grass on which you stand. The grass on which I stand. It is vomit and poo from a son who makes me laugh more than I ever have. Countless children's books carefully crafted from extraordinary artists. A wife that I still call home who is soon to give birth to a melody. Clothes hanging on a line in the yard of a house that keeps me warm and safe. Dirty dishes washed after eating delicious meals with the family and friends. Time to write like right now. It may not be as much as I would like, but it is there. This is life. This is all life. So may we delve beneath the facade of the self we want to project out to everyone else. Let us not seek to escape from the mundane reality that we find beneath it. Boredom is the curse of a generation who has been given too much. Let us see if somewhere in the midst of all that it is we can find the wonder again. The grass is not greener on the other side. Let us find meaning in the mundane, beauty in the boring, enchantment in the everyday, positivity in the poo, the virtuous in the vomit. That may be taking it too far. This is never easy. This will not be easy. It flies in the face of society's conditioning, especially with something so ridiculously selfless as parenting. But surely it's worth trying, whatever season you find yourself in. So here's to life in all its glory and all its ordinary. I'll see you there in the midst of it all, probably with red tired eyes, vomit stains on my shirt and poo beneath my fingernails. I might be a little too close to home if there's any parents in this room. Sorry to... You're trying to escape from your kids tonight, maybe. And I'm just bringing it back into reality for you. The prophetic for me names things. Poetry is about telling stories. Poetry is about... They often say that poetry is about restoring things. The ability... It gives us the ability to restory our lives to tell new stories when there's this one dominant story that we tell about ourselves, to tell a new story, a subversive story, a different story. Brueggemann talks about that as uh, the prophetic. Seeing the, the dominant narrative of a society, not just the dominant narrative of ourselves, but the dominant narrative of our, of our society and choosing to speak to that and speak to it with a subversive story to say, this does not have to be your story. Though the, the kingdoms of our world, the, the power and the politics of our world may say this is the story, the prophetic nature is to come along and, stay, and, and say, this does not have to be our story. There is a new story, a different story, an alternative story uh, that we may follow uh, and that we may see life by, and that alternative story may free us from the grip of that dominant narrative. Um, so I feel like what I seek to do with my poetry, wherever I go, in whatever circumstance, I, I kind of, um, I straddle the line, I try to straddle uh, the line between the Christian world and um, the, the world of kind of poetry land is where I find myself. And um in that place, I, I seek to use my voice in, in both ways to kind of uh, call the, the Christian world maybe to, the, to an alternative story as well, away from um, what I believe is the dominant narrative that kind of comes through Christianity sadly today, one of kind of the Western dream and, um, and that mentality and our desire to live those happy Western comfortable lives um, 
but but possibly that there's another alternative way to live and and then within the poetry scene to to be joined by uh, amazing poets like uh, Cam and like Lindsay and others who are so much part of this beautiful scene of people um, and and I get to be part of this glorious community of love and family and speak words that I hope will um, both inspire and move them to think about life in different ways as well um, and to think about uh, it's one of those hard things you're in those spaces and you kind of don't want to have a, a label that says Christian on you um, but part of me kind of kind of holds on to it and kind of throws it away from me a lot as well because um, it's such a hard thing to to be known as these days but um, I feel like if I can be there and, and just have some kind of um, say some words and be a person that that people may be able to go I thought I thought this Jesus thing was this because that's what I see on the media and from kind of full-on um, full-on conservative evangelical folk uh, uh, this about whatever issue we want in society but I I see you and I see Lindsay and I see these people who kind of talk about following Jesus but it's in a very different way um, may we be people who speak prophetically into each other's lives one of the things that I love to do is um is is actually to write poetry I tend to write that's a full stop I write poetry for people one of one of the ways that I love to use poetry as a prophetic thing is is for people I kind of feel like um, I when I came I kind of came out of um, <coughs> Sydney evangelicalism <coughs> um, uh, I was a good Sydney Anglican boy um, many years ago and um, I came out of that actually into kind of charismatic land into vineyard movement and really into um, the prophetic and, and that kind of stuff as that kind of idea of the prophetic of of in prayer ministry naming things for people um, and sharing that kind of what you feel God's heart might be for them and that for me is translated these days into the poetry that I write so much of of both of those traditions a quite cringe factor these days a lot of it for me but to be able to take my words and to speak um to write words for people i've been able to do this over this last year with a crew called the babes project who are an amazing group that do work with um uh women in crisis pregnancy and i've got to um go in with with helen who runs the babes project and some others and listen to the stories of women um, who are going through their their um, their program? Who come with for whatever reason, be it their teenagers or their parents are kicking them out because they're pregnant, or um, older people who have been in abusive relationships or whatever. And um, they go through their program, and we, as they finished, I got to sit in there and listen to the stories of these um, amazing, incredible ladies and all they've gone through over the last kind of year and a half of their lives of of pregnancy and and coming into having kids, and. Um, and my job was simply just to sit there and write them a poem as they shared their story and to then share this, this poem back to them as a gift for them sharing their story to kind of restory and rename some things for them. And every time, oh, I can't even talk, every time it was just tears and weeping and I can't believe you saw that and named that in me. The, the prophetic names things that are there that we struggle to see about ourselves and about each other and how much we any of us not just not just professional poets but how much any of us through the words we speak through the creativity that we bring in whatever creative way you might have 
any of us can speak those words, can listen to the stories of people and then shine back to them, mirror back to them the amazingness of their story, the courageousness of their story. Um, that's the honor that I get to do as a, as a poet. And I want to challenge and encourage you guys in whatever way you can. May you do the same. Absolutely, prophecy is about speaking to society and naming things, but to the individual people, to name some things in people's lives. In fact, why don't you, here's my challenge, go home and in the next week, use some way, be it, you may not all be poetry writers, but um, use some way to, to, to create something Everyone is creative. Use some way to create something for someone that speaks into their lives. That's my challenge for you guys coming out of tonight. There's just no way that it can go bad. It's, you are writing a poem to, to encourage someone, to bless them, to speak into their... It can't go bad, so just do it. Um, let me do... Can I do another... Uh, I'm going to do a new poem for you guys tonight. Um, anyone like listening to as great as Beyondering is there's, there's another podcast that I like to listen to called The Liturgist who's a Liturgist fan in the room I'm sure there's a bunch um, The Liturgist is an amazing podcast that you should definitely go and, and have a listen to they do really fantastic stuff and uh, one of the ones the other day was Pale Blue Dot did anyone listen to Pale Blue Dot um, it was around astronauts that go out into space and I was incredibly inspired by um, by this podcast and kind of then went went space nerdy and checked out everything I could and, and kind of wrote a poem inspired and based around uh, this podcast and, and kind of around the thoughts of astronauts thinking who have gone out to space looking back at earth and the reflections that they have on that so this is I've just I've done this once before um, uh, so this is the second time that I've ever read it and you guys can let me know if you think it's any good In 1968, the Apollo 8 took off from this planet and this system and this home that we call the Earth. And the astronauts left behind the wars and the suffering and the racism and the hunger and the disagreement they had with their neighbor and the fight they were having with their wife. They left behind the assassinations of John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King and the protesting of the Vietnam War. They left behind American television's first ever interracial kiss on Star Trek, to boldly go where no man has gone before, or woman, they left behind the sexism, Apollo 8, it was the first spacecraft to leave behind the Earth's atmosphere and orbit all the way around the moon, on the fourth orbit the astronauts held a camera up to the window and took a picture of their home, the Earth. And the earth that they could see was the millions upon millions of individual different species all holding on to a little blue bird flying through a black sky. It was the 3.5 billion humans of that time. It was red desert sands and whirling clouds and raging thunderstorms seen from above like fireworks exploding out across the globe. It was a glimpse of divinity. It was oil slicks and forests stripped bare and cities out of focus through the haze of their pollution. And it was the long, slow climb of a dark line as the day became night and the sun, it wouldn't rise the earth would just turn and the burn of the sun would then slowly come as day to each new country. And so the photo they took was called Earthrise. And they remembered how the day blue sky back on earth would seem endless. 
with the feeling of looking up at something that goes on forever. And yet looking down from the moon, the infinite blue was just a paper-thin halo of a biosphere barely hugging the surface of a small planet. See, what was infinite was turning away from the earth to see the great expanse of nothing and everything and realizing in that moment that the earth is so fragile and so touchingly alone, just one tiny planet amidst the unfathomable reality of space and time. If you could touch it with a finger, it would surely crumble and fall away into the dark, but somehow it is held like we are held, like I am held, like we are so fragile and so touchingly alone. The astronauts had spent their entire lives focusing always on getting to the moon. The earth and its problems were a periphery, secondary. They had to be. That is, until they were finally up there, looking back down here, and the planet suddenly came into focus, and who they were suddenly came into focus. They realized that they were not merely living on the earth, but they were of the earth, like the apple is of the tree. And what was science turned to mystery as they transcended the notion of just individuals going about their business. They realized the ignorance of the individualist. They realized that if the earth dies, then we die with it. They realized the connectedness of every human with this little blue white ball hung in the deep black of space. They realized that we humans, regardless of nations or religions or ethnicity are one species with one destiny and so must act accordingly. We are quite literally all in this together. I am dependent on you as you are me. Before all else, we are humanity and it binds us together from the poor son starving before he is given a chance to survive to the rich father providing mansions and money but never having enough time. We are one from the woman being raped to the man in detention for only trying to escape we are one from the teenager buying likes on social media to the farmer picking cocoa beans in east africa we are one with the one percent of rhinos that are left over since the beginnings of the 20th century we are one with the three percent of tigers left we are one with the ten percent of lions left we are one with the ten percent of sea turtles left we are one with less than half of the barrier reef that is left we are one with bangladesh we are one with Iraq, we are one with Syria, we are one with our next door neighbor. So all the fighting and all the judging and the wars and the politics and the problems that we have with one another, all the ways we divide and conquer, all the fear and animosity, when the world is seen from above, these things do not matter. It is no wonder that 15 nations came together to build the International Space Station where those who once fought each other, where Russians and Americans and Japanese and Germans all work side by side as they look back down upon the immense beauty and the incredible fragility of this finite floating marble we each call home. The view from space is remarkable. The astronauts went to the moon, but in return they found the earth. The planet that holds together the living matter as we gather the many 
to realize that we all walk as one toward the future and the sun that we circle and the moon that encircles us and the stars and the solar system and we are just a part of it all. We are just a grain of sand on the shore. This is our home. This is our home. Thank you, guys. Don Macero. So I'm going to hand over to Cam Simmons, and you're going to do your thing as a poet slash prophet. So can we hear it for Cameron Simmons? If I hate myself, underrate myself, undercut myself, headbutt myself, should I still love my neighbour as myself? <laughs> Narcissists love themselves too much. <laughs> Can I love my neighbour too much? Restraining order says yes. Love your neighbour as your selfie. <laughs> like. There's an old African proverb that I made up that says, Hate takes offence. Indifference sits on the fence. Love jumps the fence. Now, in relation to neighbours, this is generally good advice, except if they own a rottweiler. Father Christmas says, love your neighbour as your elf. Modern economists might say, love your neighbour as your self-interest dictates. But Jesus originally said, love your neighbour as yourself. So, what if I ignore my own needs? Can I ignore the needs of others too? I mean, what if I annoy myself? Can I annoy my neighbours? What if my neighbour was Darth Vader and very resistant to love? <laughs> Should I use some kind of force? I, uh, not every neighbour is lovable, but love them anyway. And not every love is suitable for your neighbour. They may not like holding hands or snuggling at 3am with their neighbour. But if you find the right love for the right neighbour, then everyone will want to be your neighbour. And that's a great time to invest in real estate. <laughs> but don't forget, not every neighbour is lovable, but I say, hey, love them anyway. Cheers. I was thinking about this thing of being a prophet, poet, prophets. And uh, I remember when I first became a Christian, I think I was uh, 15, and I was all passionate. And, and uh, I was from a lovely Christian little Baptist church. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I just want to be a prophet, absolutely. And uh, I started, I loved the book of Proverbs, and I just started writing my own prophetic proverbs. And... Uh, Unfortunately, I just didn't have any wisdom <laughs> or life. Uh, so the only one I remember from that period, and it still doesn't even quite make sense, but it was like, like is to love 
like gherkins are to cucumbers. So that's about the level I could work at when I was 15. Um, I don't know if I've improved that much, but uh, yeah, I I was thinking, like I, you know, I've been we've I've been on a journey. I've been on a faith journey, and uh, you know, back then, I don't know. I think maybe things were a bit simpler, and I feel like I've just been progressively moving, I suppose, away from black black and whites into these grey areas or these grace areas. That's been part of my journey. And I think even from the beginning, I've always been more comfortable with questions than I have with answers. I've just known, it's just like, wow, there's so many exceptions and um, nuances to things. And maybe that's just me, my character, or just being an artist. Um, so, yeah, so that's why I thought I'd start with little questions, really. That's what's natural to me. And I sort of see that's important, you know, that actually the asking of good questions often can be much more powerful than giving any answers. Um, the power of a beautiful question. So here's a poem I like doing. I've always had questions in me. Big questions. They stomp around my chest. A herd of elephants. I mean, not full-size elephants. These elephants are little, but they're still heavy and a little bit scary. Now, sometime in my late teens, they broke out. They prized my ribcage open and barged their way out between my bent back bones and off they went, out into the big wide world, grazing philosophical savannas, exploring theological jungles and crashing through the endless mass media scrub. I, I never bent my ribs back into place. I mean, friends told me to get surgery, you know, stitch up this gaping wound in my chest, but, but it wasn't a wound to me. It was an opening. And then slowly they started to come home. I mean, not all of them. Some of them found what they wanted out there. It was mostly the big elephants that came back. The muddied ones. The untamable ones. The ones in the room that no one mentions. Thump by thump, they lumbered back in through my aching chest. Sometimes with gentle pushes. And other times with crushing shoves. And I found the only way to live with elephants blundering around my heart is to give them space. Let them sit if they need to. Let them go if they have to. I used to hear the beat of fear in their thumping and trumpeting, but now I hear the melody of curiosity. Now their insistent stomping and stamping is an anthem by the country of my being. Thanks. So I've uh, I had a really bad ulcer all week. People get ulcers? Who gets ulcers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... I used to get a lot of them. I, I just got a really bad one this last week and... Uh, the Americans tend to call them canker sores. 
which I, I quite like. It just feels more aggressive. Also sounds a bit too medis- medical or something, you know. Canker sores. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, it just feels like a better word for them. So, you know, so this is what I do, you know, when I have a problem. You know, I write a poem. So this poem is called, This is what it means to be a poet or the hope in canker sores. I explore my open wounds with the tip of my tongue. I explore the open wounds with the tip of my tongue. Entering my own hollows. And there I taste a metallic tang. A hint of the iron that fills me. A reminder of the fluid strength that pulses to the very borders of my being, a reminder in the sting of the healing strength I hold within. There you go. I sort of see um, my job as a poet is to see and observe and then sort of bring in some sort of uh, reflection on that and some sort of insight on that. And I think we all have that capacity and we all do it in different ways. I just choose to do it with words and in certain ways. And I think it's just really, it sort of taps into the uh, examined life, you know, the unexamined life not being worth living, you know. But if you're living really consciously and observing and noticing, that's, that's when you uh, can really appreciate what's happening and really value things and enjoy the process and things like that. Um, yeah. Another poem for you. Wait. Unfisted. With all your openness, seeded with hope. And joy will visit, like a finch from the dark understory. And joy will return with a sudden flit and flash of colour. No matter what, sadly, you will be unhappy at times. And all those around you and all those you love will be deeply unhappy times but equally no matter what joy will visit fleeting fine feathered it'll swoop in from the corner of your vision arrive when you least expect did you know the finch can only flourish with access to dense undergrowth perhaps All the thorny, tangled mess of unhappiness in this world is just a frame, a shield, a home for this flighty little bird. No matter what, joy will visit. Joy will return. But it can't stay. It can't stay. If you grasp for it, try to hold on to it, it'll be gone, even before your fingers unfurl. So just 
be still. And joy will at some point arrive at your side. (laughs) Until then, wait. Unfisted. With all your openness seeded with hope. Thanks. Um, all right, I'll do another little poem I wrote recently. Um, I went and did. There's a couple of guys that did it here. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't see. Yeah. Well, went and did tree, the trees adventure. Um, up in Belgrave, they have a massive, big trees adventure, you know, ropes course. And it's absolutely spectacular. It's really beautiful. Um, and this was just one little moment that came out of that trees adventure. I call it the rattling of a dumb stumbler. I'm two stories up, crossing a wire rope bridge with sparse wooden crossbars. It's shaky. I'm shaky. Towards the end, the bridge turns into a wild bull, bucking and rearing as if to throw me off. I start thinking, someone stupid has hopped on at the start and their dumb stumbling is going to send me tumbling. I turn around. No one there. I am the stupid one. I am the dumb stumbler. This wild bull is all of my own making. It was just the ripples of my own wobbling coming back to me. Echoes through the ropes, being distorted by distance, accentuated by accumulation, feeling so not mine because of the delay. And the hugely complex interplay of sway upon sway upon sway. I was convinced it was being done to me. Convinced. Like Sarah leaving. Like Sonia leaving. But it was just me. Just me. Is it... Only ever me on this unsteady bridge between baby rattle and death rattle. Two stories up, I'm rattled. Thanks. Well, does anyone have any like questions? I don't know if it's that type of gig, but, you know, does anybody want to ask me a vaguely relevant question? Oh, there's a hand up. Yeah, ask me a question. Do you have to be, like, in the right mindset to write your poetry, or do you kind of just sit down and talk about it? Yeah. So if you didn't hear, do I have to be in the right mindset, or can I force myself? Is that what you said? Can I force myself to do it? Yeah, I would say um, whenever there's forcing, basically... Yeah, it's not really going to work. Um, I think so much of poetry, and I would just say even insights and truth, 
truths are about emergence. And so sometimes you need to leave space for things to emerge. Um, but you can't, it's like you can't gra- grasp them and pull them out of the darkness. But you can open up the space and let things bubble to the surface. So, so yeah. Um, so I'm very much a sort of like, yeah, you, you, if you sit down and give yourself time, you may have nothing, 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 and eventually something might bubble up. Um, so sometimes I would say it needs a bit more time. Um, poetry, like I know one of the definitions of being a prophet was about not somebody who necessarily speaks the future, but was about someone who contradicts the present. So I think being a poet in some ways is being a prophet. I think I just the way I think um, and even the slowness of my art is contradictory to our society. So our society is very speed-oriented and efficiency-oriented. Oriented, and poetry is not about speed and it's not about efficiency. It's about space and it's about emergence. So, so that's the way I'm comfortable saying maybe I'm vaguely prophetic, but uh, mostly pathetic. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow, the fruit palm. Did, did you seriously ask that? <laughs> it feels so un, uh, like undeep and prophetic, but uh, maybe it's a prophetic statement asking for it. So, you know, like, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll just do it because I don't mind doing it. So I got inspired um, by my local Woolworths range of fresh fruit, you know. I'm looking for inspiration anywhere I can find it. And... Um, and so I wanted to write a poem in which I jam as much fruit as I possibly can into one poem, jam fruit. Um, so I wrote this poem to a girl named Melanie Berry, Melanie Berry, and, um, and I, I tried it out on a few different people actually, like... And it was funny, people kept mentioning all the fruits I didn't mention. You know, it's like, you didn't put quince in. I'm like, yeah, okay, all right. Um, you didn't put avocado in. I love avocados. Put that in your poem. I'm like, all right, thank you. Um, and I had this from a couple of people. Uh, you didn't put orange in. Nothing rhymes with orange. Put that in your poem. And, uh, and just for the record, I actually played table tennis in grade nine with a guy named Josh Gorringe. So... <laughs> That rhymes with orange, so bam, take that. Um, and I, I wrote this, you know, I just made this name up, Melanie Berry, because it was just like fruity. I'd posted up my website, but then after a few months, I got this email from a certain Miss Melanie Berry saying, do I know you? <laughs> so, hey, uh, so... And after people's responses, I sort of, okay, I'll do a bit of a rewrite, okay? Try and satisfy as many people as possible. So it was originally called Fruit 35. Now, updated, it's called Fruit 39, Vegetable 1. Yeah. So, you know, you can either just enjoy the love vibe or you could be count the fruits if you're that way inclined um, or you could just listen for the one vegetable, you know, just to, just to, just to focus on that. So, uh, so here it is. Um, I'm going to take my... Hot scarf off. Gotta get in the right love mode too. Oh, Melanie Berry. You are my passion. 
And this poem is the fruit of my passion. You could say it's my passion fruit. <sighs> That's where I'm going, okay? It's lots of <laughs> bad fruit puns, okay? <laughs> Down in the orchard last spring, when my Granny Smith first introduced us, I mean, that's when you became the apple of my eye. I mean, your hair was golden delicious and your lips were red delicious. At any royal gala, you would be my pink lady in the limelight. <laughs> Even now, you give me gooseberry bumps all over. <laughs> you rock, Melanie. I cherish you. You always look radishing. Stay with me and I'll be forever grateful. In the desert of my loneliness, you were my water, Melanie. <laughs> but the soft flesh of our love seems to be bruising. I mean, I keep sending you messages from my apple to your Blackberry, asking for a date, but it's all been fruitless. I mean, I don't want to jam you, jam you into a corner, but I want to conserve our love. <laughs> And don't listen to those who say I'm a rotten apple. That's just sour grapes. And don't bend to pear pressure like that. We should be a pear. And I'm not a lemon. And I'm not a fruitcake. I'm more of a refreshing fruit salad with a cherry on top. Look, I may be a little bit green, but I'm keen. Let's ripen together. In time, you will soften to me. But until then, I say, woman, stay. But all I hear is, mango. <laughs> Look, I may not be rich, rich, but I'm also not poor, poor. <laughs> it's destiny that we met. No mere coincidence. <laughs> oh, if you want, I will build you a castle out of Italian marble and pomegranate with its very own plumetarium to watch the twinkling star fruits. And if you wanted to be picked up in a limousine, it could be arranged. Arranged. Oh, Melanie Berry. May I call you Berry? Without you, my soul is black, Berry. And I'd be blueberry. Look, look, I have a pistol strapped to my ankle. If you don't love me, I will use my low gun, Barry. But, but death is the last straw, Barry. I wish I could run away with you and get married. But we can't elope. At least I'd love to doze in my car with you. We could both have a car doze. Oh, I was happy with that one. <laughs> oh, Melanie, you have appeal. And I appeal to you. Wouldn't your guava be with me than some bland vegetable? I'll admit I'm not very smart, but I am very loyal. And come quite may, you'll always be the peach in my Melbourne and the rhubarb in my crumble. For when I savour you, well, to be honest, my bowels run true. <laughs> Yet I know, despite all this, we may never be together as one. For you are a Chinese gooseberry, and I don't speak Mandarin. <laughs> Thanks very much. Woo! So Matt saw 
Lucas. So, ending on that deeply spiritual note, uh, totally fits in with the podcast. You know, you can use that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Next up, our next artist, Dylan Joel, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to bring the, uh, a bit more of a musical touch to it. While he's getting ready, big round of applause for our musical guest and closing us off for the evening, Dylan Joel. Hey friends, how you doing? Yeah, you feeling well? Hey, how, how amazing we Cam and uh, Joel. Can we give them a round of Very, very cool. So, uh, before I start, I, uh, I thought I'd give you a bit of context into me, who I am and what I do. Uh, I'm 26 years old. My full name is Dylan Joel Smith. Yeah, oh gosh, there we go. Hence uh, the really creative way of finding my artist name, Dylan Joel. Uh, Smith was too boring, sorry dad. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm a full-time musician, uh, touring, writing, recording, musician, uh, much to my parents' disgrace. Uh, no, not really. Uh, there was a period where we, I think everyone that I knew was nervous, uh, knowing that that was gonna be something I tried to pursue as a career. Uh, and they were like, great, we'll start saving for you. Um, so, yeah, now I'm here. I've been doing music full-time for a year, uh, which is, yeah, uh, really exciting. Actually, a huge blessing. Uh, I find it to be something I'm very fortunate to be able to do. I do work hard, but uh, I, I know for a fact that I wouldn't be able to do this still, uh, even regardless of whether I worked hard or not. If I wasn't born into the community I was born into, the family I was born into, the country I was born into. So... It's a real privilege to be able to do this. Um, so I'm going to play you guys a song that probably will explain a little bit more about me. Uh, it's a song called I Am, and I'm just going to strip it back tonight. It's just going to be guitar. Uh, usually I have a band, an awesome band, uh, that play with me, but uh, tonight it's just me. So uh, It's called I Am, and uh, it goes like this. Nine one, nineties kid, got place to begin. Wasn't living within the minimum system that some were in. Lucky, mad family, never any abuse, never parents to choose between the fights and the truth, or a proof of a lack of love. Screwing up that I done, inner wanting and logic of packing up just to run. I was home, I was content, everything needed a more. But funny that even when all is good. Or can be torn Yeah, I grew up testing faith Non-denominational church Birth into a family of families is so worth it Trying to live selflessly Always trying to love Unconditionally supporting Where trying wasn't enough Maybe it was that pressure Of never doing no wrong The birth of strong worth The search for a place that I could belong And never thought myself in that search Would ever break But I always tried to find my acceptance The wrong way I am loved Yeah I am strong And I am thankful Cause I belong And I am hopeful And I am free And I am proud yeah, Cause I am me Bump with the wrong girls Roll with the wrong crew 
Always try to show off that I rode off my car too Speeding wasn't a lesson, was me Seeking attention for we Needed an impression to believe we are a blessing Met this one with others' lives Always strive a new high Blinded by what I might have Never seen it at the time Trent met the truth, thought I was badass Seeking an ass bad Caught some hits, some moments And got jumped once, but I'm past that Important part is I'm here Now you're all here too Mistakes will never define who you are, so push through You ain't an alcoholic, drug or sex addict You ain't broken before anything you human That's maybe just lost hope and Maybe you can relate to that, maybe you think you can't Ain't asking for a task that'll put us in different paths But regardless of who you are, where you come from or what you do There's always something that ties together, and that's truth I am loved, yeah And I am strong And I am thankful Cause I belong And I am hopeful yeah. And I am free And I am proud yeah. Cause I am me All of us have a story Some of them may seem boring But according to what's important We ought to be on that calling Cause what's the point of a story If you ain't planning to share it Needing to spruce it up Twist the truth and then prepare it well, I don't know about others, but I'm just cool for the truth. Ain't about us impressing, it's just about being you. So voice yourself, be vulnerable, give a little and be proud of who you are when singing I am me. Like, I am loved, yeah, and I am strong. And I am thankful, mm, cause I belong. And I am hopeful, yeah, and I am free. And I am proud, yeah, cause I am me. Sometimes when I'm at home I, uh, and I'm chilling, I really like to play one of my favorite songs to this. Um, so I'm going to show you a little bit of it. Actually, the first time I heard it was here at church. Uh, I can't remember who was performing it, but it's stuck with me ever since. It goes like this. People get ready, there's a train coming You don't need no ticket, no, no You just thank the Lord All we need is faith, yeah To hear the diesel humming You don't need no ticket, no, no You just thank the Lord People get ready, there's a train coming you don't need no ticket, no, no, you just thank the Lord. All we need is faith, yeah, to hear the diesel humming, yeah. You don't need no ticket, no, no, you just thank the Lord. Cause I am loved, and I am strong, and I am thankful, yeah, cause I belong. And I am hopeful, yeah. and I am free, and I am proud, yeah, cause I am me. Thank you, friends. Uh, so for me, uh, I was really excited to be asked to do this. Uh, thank you, Matt and Lucas. Actually, can we give Matt and Lucas a round of applause? This is awesome. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, I'm a huge fan of your podcast also. Uh, 
for me, uh, I'm, I kind of inconsistently, but for periods, long periods of time, I'm on the road and I'm away from home. Uh, and that also means be- being away from church, uh, which I really value being able to go to. So for me, uh, Beyondering is actually really important for me. Uh, it's filled a huge space, uh, a huge gap in, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, what I'm unable to get being consistently at home. Uh, and even further from that, for me, it's incredible because it finally feels uh, like I'm hearing people talk in a church or outside of the church about church um, and it feel 100% genuine and uh, that there's nothing to hide, uh, that these questions that we have, we all have. And that is just uh, such like a, I think the word, word is comforting thing. Uh, to be able to hear other people talk about and share and express. Uh, so can we give another round of applause to these guys and also probably Shaz and Mel for supporting you and being able to be involved in that as well. I think there's a lot of people involved in this. I know it's more than you guys, but uh, thank you. Uh, so my music is hip-hop based and uh, I guess for me, I wrote a couple questions because Matt was going to ask me some questions, but I asked myself some questions, which was kind of funny. Uh, and uh, it said, what does my craft offer the world? Uh, and I think that's what we're kind of exploring today with creative people. Uh, and I would say, hopefully, my craft, in, in, it uh, provides encouragement and, and a message of love and a message of hope to people that don't get it very often. And growing up in a church and a community that's really supportive, I understood very quickly that I was quite lucky to have that, but that this is pretty far removed for a lot of people. And so for me, I decided that I wanted to try and use a hobby of mine, a passion of mine, uh, to reach out and give people that same message that I'm fed every week. Uh, in a different language, in a language that they understand, which uh, I've had a lot of interesting comments from uh, just people within the church scene uh, aren't cool with some of the language that I use, and I do swear in my songs, um, but I only swear when I feel like it's necessary and needed and natural, and that is something that actually a lot of people really relate to, funnily enough. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a, a little bit of where I'm at and, uh, and what I do. So, uh, I'm gonna play you another song. Uh, this is a new one. I'm about to put an album out. I didn't bring any albums. I don't have anything for you guys to buy. This is, I'm terrible at being a musician because really I should be carrying around so much stuff for you to buy so that I can eat. Um, but I don't have anything. Uh, I just got off tour actually and uh, we sold all the, everything I had really, so. Which is awesome, yeah, whoo! So I did eat, it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but anyway, I'm gonna play you a brand new song. Uh, this one's kind of raw. Um, I wrote this about uh, mental health. Uh, depression and anxiety and um, someone that I really love quite a lot that has been going through something very close to that. Uh, this song's called Snow and it uh, goes like this. You're the strongest I know won't let you go No one should ever do this on their own So I just don't understand 
You're the strongest I know, won't let you go No one should ever do this on their own So promise to take my hand Takes a strong man to stand up, but a normal one to fall a tough one to walk miles, but a stronger one to crawl What is a man meant to be? What does it mean to be a man? What do those questions have to do with anything to find out who I am? This ain't me, this is you, it get real hard to chew It keeps shooting what you do, I die to no bulletproof It ain't welcome, no invite, how's a lover meant to fight? I thought age gets better, where's the wine? Challenge the purpose of the air you breathe, uh Increase the fear in your heart Challenge the purpose of the air you breathe on uh, Try to make the pieces pull apart Damage done to the trust of your lover Feet won't move, stay calm I still pray that your eyes might see Depression don't define who you are Till the rain gets cold, cold, cold enough Cold in our arms And it's snow, snow Snowing down low Cause when the rain gets cold, cold, cold enough Cold in our arms It's gonna snow, snow, snow down low Hey, yeah, the sort of shit to me Against the tremble or camo threaded Now it's not a symbol, hey Got more than eight legs Ain't a visit for dental Watch the mind beat the body though it's gentle Used to think knowledge would heal, but I won't Used to think that I knew fear, now I don't Try believe loving can heal amid snow or rain Oh, you're the strongest I know, won't let you go No one should ever do this on their own So I just don't understand Oh, you're the strongest I know, won't let you go No one should ever do this on their own So promise to take my hand Till the rain gets cold, cold, cold enough Cold in our arms And it's snow, snow, snowing down love Cause when the rain gets cold, cold, cold enough Cold in our arms it's gonna snow, snow, snow down love Till the rain gets cold, cold, cold enough Cold in our arms And it's snow, snow, snowing down love Cause when the rain gets cold, cold, cold enough Cold in our arms It's gonna snow, snow, snow down love just don't let it go. Thank you guys, I appreciate it. Uh, there's a funny story with that song. I just got off tour, I was on a three month tour. Uh, actually supporting uh, some uh, idols of mine. So anyway, um, the story goes with this song. Uh, I stripped back the song and I played it exactly how I just played it then to multiple thousand people, uh, lots of people every night. And they were all there to turn up, get drunk, party, and etc. And then I apologized in advance and I said, sorry guys, I'm going to bring the mood down, I'm going to play this song. And uh, I got told by multiple industry people that I should stop playing it because it's not a party vibe, it doesn't get people hyped, and it's a real downfall in my set. 
But for some reason, I felt the need to keep playing it because I thought it was a message that needed to be heard. And the next night after someone really important told me to stop playing it, I played it again <laughs> in Byron Bay. And I had this guy come up, and I think this is relevant to what I was saying, what is it, offer the world. Um, had this guy come up, and usually people come up and they, they want photos after a show, so there's like you know, half an hour, 45 minutes getting photos and signing things and meeting people, which is really special. And this guy came up and I was like, hey man, how you doing? He just stared at me, didn't say anything, and it was really weird. Uh, and then he burst into tears. And I instantly just was like, oh man, are you okay, what's up? Is, is everything all right, can I do something? Started firing questions. And he just looked at me and he said, um, oh man, uh, that song you played, Snow, about depression. Um, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't, uh, I'm struggling to say this. And then he's, he said, he's like, I, uh, I have depression. I was diagnosed with depression three weeks ago and you're the first person I've told. And, uh, and he's like, I was here to have fun and get my mind off it. You put my mind straight back onto it. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, and he's like, and it was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me because I've just told someone. And I cried. <laughs> and, I, and it's moments like that for me that make me understand this is so much bigger than me. This is so much bigger than my experience or my words or what I play. That God is so involved in what I do. And for me, that's just such an incredible, incredibly special thing. Um, and so I'm going to keep playing songs like that. I'm going to keep doing that, and I'm going to keep going to all these clubs that I keep playing at that have the stickiest, most disgusting carpet and floors you've ever seen. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to keep playing that stuff, and, and that's where my faith lies in what I do. Uh, that's a huge part of it. I was going to say the other thing for me is it's really difficult. This industry sucks a lot in lots of ways. I remember walking into a, a backstage at a VIP area of a really famous rapper and I went in and walked into this really seedy downstairs in the seedy room and there's a coffee table and there's this huge, huge pile of cocaine. And uh, everyone's around the table doing lines of cocaine. I walk in and I'm like, I'm the only person not on drugs. And I freaked out. I'd never seen so much cocaine in my life. And I walked straight back out. I went to this disgusting toilet shut the door, sat on the toilet, pretended to poo, and just prayed. Uh, and, uh, and in that moment, I got this rush, this overwhelming feeling of confidence, support um, from my faith that allowed me to walk back into the room and just be me and not let the fact that I was the only person not on drugs and that all these people off their chops affect me. Yeah, so it does a lot for me. Um, it's been really challenging in lots of ways. One more story really quickly. Uh, I played a, a tour. After my set, I had this lady I'd never met before who's the head of a, a booking agency. So a booking agent books us for all the shows. She wasn't my agent. She was going to be at one point. We didn't go with their agency. Anyway, long story short, she came up to me and never in my life have I had someone try to squish me of everything that I am in the space of five minutes. Um, it was really nasty. She told me that I'll never make it. She told me that I, I don't have what it takes, that I'm not unique, I'm not special, that um, she pointed up at the performing on stage and said, you don't have that and you won't ever have that. Um, and this came out of the blue. I never met this lady before in my life. Um, she told me that I was fake, that, that my character and 
my positivity was was not real that uh, I was fronting it to try and make something out of myself and then she decided to uh yeah belittle the amount of album sales I'd made off my first record deal and she just kind of kept going in and I was kind of in shock I didn't never met this lady before and it was what it was but my point is that I think it's going to be ongoing I think it's going to be there's going to be so many challenges for me in this industry uh, back to you there's going to be so many of those things for you in whatever you do in your community in whatever field you're in and I think my understanding is the only thing that really really gets me through that is my faith and what my faith has provided for me community friends family people that love me and support me um yeah and because of that uh i actually feel really proud to say that i'm actually probably the most comfortable with myself and confident that i've been potentially ever because i can acknowledge that um and I'm really ready for the next chapter. I just out of my record deal. I finished my record deal, about to sign a new one, um, which is really exciting. And put out a whole new album that I've just pretty much finished. And um, it's a new chapter for me, but I feel very ready and very um, aware of what's to come. I guess. How are we going for time? Cool. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna just show you something. I've been talking heaps. I'm just gonna do a. Uh, I'm just going to play you something using the loop pedal. This is the other part of what I do is my job outside of being talking deep and trying to tap into people's emotions is to uh, actually just ent be entertaining and have fun. So I'm going to use a thing called a loop pedal, which you might have seen me use before. Uh, I just write my songs in it, but sometimes I like to have a jam. And I'm going to play some stuff that's really inappropriate to play in a church. But that's my life, and that's where I sit, and this is how it goes. Three willing to fall the door see Oh, why do I feel this way? Nice, if you wanna go and get high with me Smoke it, and in the back of the benzene Oh, why do I feel this way? Yeah, 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 that was awesome The fact that I didn't ask you to do that And you just did it, that was great Try this one It's the remix to Ignatia Hot and fresh out the kitchen No more rolling that body Got every penny you wishing Sipping on coke and rum And I'm like so I'm drunk It's the freaking weekend Baby I'm about to have me some fun Story makes to eat this shit Hot and fresh out the kitchen No more rolling that body Got every penny 
thing that I like to do sometimes Just for entertainment values Is see how fast I can rap And see if anyone can pick what I'm saying Which I'm sure you won't be able to do So let's see how this goes What I pay, saw peach down your bean Just kinda felt like dropping a joint out in between And if you ain't feeling the point, yeah that's sweet I didn't see you coming, so you most welcome to leave G So we get to tell them, EPs and an album Said that it'll be out every month, but who's counting? Busting out a last minute written, ain't spitting freestyle All the phony rappers can pack, back with the Dina Soaking up everything that'll be living in that going more than enough So I'm giving a love of a piece of notice in the minimum Busting up positive city to city, I'm fitting in all that is up for the taking What people don't owe me mistaken I had to push the purpose of making all these lines to get your shake Making the vibes are sweet, come for me, God a purpose to breathe, hope you see everything that I be trying to flee it, uh, we got the scene it, yeah, up and believe that, uh, your puppet's piece of it, you know the year out, you wanna go and take around with me, yeah. you wanna go and take around with me, Around with me with three women in the fall with the Dulce. Oh, why do I feel this way? <laughs> if you wanna go and get high with me, smoking hell in the back of the Benzi. Oh, why do I feel this way? Thank you very much. My name is Dylan Joe. Thank you for having me. Massive round of applause to Cam, to Joel, and to Dylan Joel. There you go. We hope you enjoyed our special bonus episode. And stay tuned for more that we'll put out at various points throughout the series. To hear more about what we're up to, particularly the book club and the live events, and the live events such as movies, meals, guest speakers, panels, join our mailing list, and you'll do that through the website at beyondering.com.au, or you can see us on Facebook and Twitter, and we hope you keep coming beyondering.